So as I said, we're starting a new series um, the next four weeks. It's called Running Deep. And um, it's come from a book which um, Sean asked all the leaders. We had a, a, a retreat for two days, and, and we looked at this book, Peter Casero, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. If anyone wants to take my copy afterwards, you're, you're welcome to it. Um, it's not a subject I enjoy speaking on. Um, in fact, whenever I thought about emotional health and all the rest, something inside me reacts and, and stirs um, because I know it's going to stir things up inside of me. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to poke my background, my history, my emotions, my, my upbringing. It's going to bring all those to the surface. And sometimes I don't like what comes up to the surface. Okay? But it's good because God wants healthy disciples. He wants people who follow Jesus, whatever the circumstances we find ourselves in. And um, I tell you, it's, it's, um, it's a four-week series. So let's look at the four topics. So next slide, please. First is weakness and accepting help. That's what we're going to look at this morning, which so fits in what has just been shared. Taming the mind. Directing our mind to health, not harm. The battle in the mind is the biggest battle that, that goes on. Third is digging up roots, bad habits, sin, unforgiveness, affecting our spiritual life. And then emotional and relational health, how it affects our spiritual health. Because we are complicated people. The series is designed to, to unravel you a little bit and to look at these issues. And um, if you find something is is poking you and you're thinking how oh, that hurts then then do find time to talk about it afterwards um we believe in counseling here um we often send people away for for professional counseling if they need it it's something we believe in um it's good to acknowledge what's going on inside of you bring it to the surface and and, and have it ministered to so we believe in ministry and um sunday morning isn't often the best time for deep ministry to happen. Um, it's, uh, we have limited time. Then the meeting, people are milling around, chatting, talking, and, and you've got this deep issue you want somebody to pray with you about, and, and it's, it's not easy, and I understand that. That's why we often say sometimes it's easier to book a time in during the week, say, can I grab some time? There's an issue I want to talk about, or find somebody that you trust you can talk through issues that's very very important okay so um here's paul talking about his weaknesses not his strengths and that is so countercultural to what the world teaches because the world promotes strength and success it, it it's the cutthroat world where only the strong succeed it's it's Weakness is not accepted or tolerated. And do you remember the book by Charles Darwin on the origin of species? Um, the title is On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or The Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. And what he was saying was it's the strongest who succeed. And, and that's been the philosophy of the world ever since. Probably ever, always has been. The strong succeed, the weak get killed off. 
That's the opposite to God's kingdom. And here is Paul saying, in weakness, I find strength. It, it's, it's so countercultural and opposite is what the world shows us. His power is made perfect in weakness. What on earth is Paul talking about? How is his strength shown in our weakness? <laughs> Talk about an upside down kingdom. This is it personified. We have a culture of celebrity worship. Um, the Brit Award won last night and um, this girl Ray won six awards and you know, she's in her mid-twenties. The world is before her and we've lifted her up on a pedestal. But often we lift people up only to want to see them fall because we realize they're not perfect. And then we look at the, the failure of so many Christian leaders and I'll take all the encouragement I can get. Thank you. <laughs> we have a saying. I was taught this very early on in, in my ministry. Don't let your gifting take you where your character won't hold you. And so many Christians, they get elevated up. They're brilliant preachers and all the rest of it. But th they can't maintain that, that level. And, and weaknesses occur and failures and they fall. So how can power made perfect in weakness. Um, I've just come back from South Africa and the first time we were there I had to learn a, almost a new language. Somebody come up to you and say, how are you? And I'd probably, oh, I'm, I'm doing all right, thank you, I'm doing okay, you know, getting to learn the language. And they looked bewildered because that wasn't the answer they were expecting. They were, I had learned a new word and the word was fine and you. And whenever somebody says to you, how are you? You have to reply, fine, and you? And they would reply, I'm fine too, thank you. And I was in the supermarket and the, the girl in the tills said, how are you? I said, I'm good, thank you. And didn't realize I was supposed to answer fine and you. And she looked at me, I'm fine as well. And it was, just, it, it was so embarrassing because it, it wasn't what you were expecting or what they were expecting. And isn't church a bit like that? Come on a Sunday morning, how are you? I'm fine. And we gloss over and we, we pretend everything is wonderful because that's how it's meant to be. I mean, Christians are meant to be wonderful people, all happy, no issues. You know, we're walking with God, everything is wonderful. And people don't often say, well, actually, I'm having a stinking day. This week has been dreadful. And... And Sunday morning isn't the best time to say that because you want to greet everybody and talk to everybody and you don't want a deep conversation about problems. A and that's why Sunday often isn't the best time to ask that question. Sometimes it's better to say, listen, how are you doing? Let's grab a coffee this week and let's chat. Or let's... let's greet each other, and I can see you've had a rough week. Let's, let's meet and, and talk about it. But that often doesn't happen. And it's the reason why there are so many bitter, disenfranchised, sad people in church, because we've got this, this unwritten barrier that life is meant to be perfect, that your walk with God is meant to be beautiful, you're floating six feet off the ground, you know, everything is wonderful. 
And very often, you feel you're not good enough, that you're a failure, and that you're being judged on your life. And, and that is so how it's not meant to be. Look who Jesus chose as his disciples. Do you ever wonder why John the Baptist wasn't in his team? I thought, wow, first person I'd have chosen, John the Baptist, get in here, you're on my side, mate. First choice. But Jesus chose fishermen, who were the roughest, toughest guys around, the most uneducated. He chose a tax collector who's hated by just about everybody. It wasn't the sort of people we'd have chosen. And we, we tend to think, oh, we'll, we'll only go for the strong people. We'll, we'll go for the, you know, the, the really good Christians who we can see, look at their lives. And Paul says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Because we don't own up to our struggles and our weaknesses. It's seen as failure. We're scared. It will affect how people see us how they judge us. What will they think of me? There's a fear of gossip, what they will say about me. So we tend to clam up, put a cocoon around us, and, and don't admit. And the worst, of course, are church ministers. We've got to be seen to be perfect, because we're leading a church. And do you know something? Um, let me be honest with you. After I preach on a Sunday morning, I have so many doubts and worries about what I've spoken about. Will so-and-so think I was speaking about them? Um, I, I wonder if, if that made sense. What, what about the person who's suffering? And all these worries come and you have to battle them afterwards. It's the most vulnerable time after you've ministered and you speak with anybody, they feel so vulnerable afterwards. I can have a hundred people come up to me and say, that was a great preach, Mark, thanks, that really helped. I just need one person, that was good, but. And for the rest of the day, that's all I worry about, the but. Now, I'm fairly secure, thankfully, and I could talk it through with Trish and, we, and, and all the rest of it. But it's very interesting, the, the church psychology. And we sit here thinking, nobody must know my weaknesses. Nobody must know the battles that go on in my mind. And Paul embraced his weakness. He speaks more about his weaknesses than anything else. And he gets this thorn in his side. Now, nobody's quite sure what that thorn is. Um, I personally think it's probably a person following him, slanging him off. I don't know. We don't know. Um, it could be his illnesses. He was a sick man. Um, we don't know. And the answer God gives him is not the answer I'd have expected. He says, three times I've asked you, God, get rid of this thorn in my side. And God's response is, my grace is sufficient for you. Not the answer I'd have wanted. I'd have wanted God to say, yep, of course, I'll sort him out now. Leave him to me. He's dead. That's it. And then Paul says, so that no one may think more of me than he sees or hears. In other words, what you see is, is what you get. This is me, Paul, with all my weaknesses, with all my, my struggles. This is me. 
take me as you find me. We get so worried about reputations. We get so worried other people will judge us for our weaknesses that we tend to hide them away. Paul describes the purpose of the thorn to prevent his pride. See, he just had this revelation of heaven and he's got such a revelation of God, he thinks, wow, if I share this, they will think I'm a super apostle. But he doesn't. He doesn't describe what he sees, but he has this incredible revelation. And then he says, this thorn is sent to prevent me from being proud. Satan wants you to be proud, not prevent pride. That's how he kills, either with pride of what we've done or despair of what we haven't done. He attacks us that way. Paul's revelation of heaven made him vulnerable to pride and self-exaltation. You know when somebody shares a secret with you, what's the first thing you want to do? Let's be real here. Isn't it you want to share it with somebody else? Let's be honest. Don't you say, have you heard? Let me tell you something, but it's, it's, it's a secret. We have this sort of desperation to want to share something. The enemy wants to seek, kill, and destroy. And he'll use whatever methods he can to destroy your walk with, with God. Now, we're talking about weaknesses. What about Job? Poor Job, he has everything. And Satan turns up to God one day and says, yeah, but look how you're protecting him. Let, let me get my hands on him for a while. Let me attack him. And let's see the result. Let's see if he doesn't end up cursing you when we take things away. Now, if I was Job, I think I'd have wanted God to say, no, you don't get that privilege. He's my man. I'm looking after him. But God allows it. God allows Job to go through sores and pains and, and losing his family and his livestock. He loses everything. And Satan is wanting Paul, uh, Job to turn around and to curse God and to, to blow it. And Job doesn't. Job struggles to understand why. Why am I going through this? Is there anything I've done? Let me search inside myself. Is it me? Is, is there something I've done wrong? And his, his Job's comforters, his three or four friends, well, they say, well, come on, let's be real here. What have you done? Let's, you know, let's get to it. Satan wants us to feel miserable. He wants us to, to turn away from our faith. He wants to destroy what God has put in you. But God wanted to make Paul humble and turn him away from self-exaltation. So God allowed the thorn of Satan for the work of salvation. It was to do a good work in Paul. But it's probably not what he wanted. And then I turned to, to Jesus talking to Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. 
But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. That's not the reply I want, would have wanted from Jesus. Satan has desired to sift you for, for, like wheat, but it's okay, I've got you, you're mine. Look, I'll look after you, I'll protect you. Nothing's going to happen to you. And Jesus said, but I've prayed for you. And then there's something remarkable. He says that your faith may not fail. When you go through trials and struggles, your faith gets tested. I can imagine it was like traveling up and down that highway in Burundi when the most dangerous road in the world, knowing you could be shot any time, but you do it. Trisha's still over in South Africa. Um, remember Lynn Swat? She was here preaching a few weeks ago. She does this incredible work in the most dangerous part of Cape Town. Um, and Trish went to see the work on Thursday. I flew back on Wednesday. And she went with Lynn, and they got to the gates of this, of this place that, that Lynn runs. And the gates were locked. And Lynn says, oh, that's, that's they're normally open. So, so they beep the horn and, and knock. And this woman runs out keys and quickly opens the gate. Says, quickly, come on, come in, come in, get, get inside. And Trisha's thinking, what's going on here? And the woman says, look, just down the road, there's, there's two gangs having a rock fight. They're fighting each other with rocks. It's, it's dangerous. Cars are having to turn around in the road and, and get back. A, a, a bus actually reversed back up the road because of what was happening just down the road. And so they get inside, and 10 minutes later, they hear gunshots. And Trisha's thinking, this is what Linny is ministering into? This is what is going on? This is the danger that Linny faces when she goes back to South Africa every time. This is the reality of, of ministering in, in dangerous situations. We're never told life will be easy. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, as wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, oh, what? When you've turned back, in other words, Jesus was saying, I know you're going to fail this test. You're going to struggle. You're going you're to lose your faith for a while. I think anxiety is temporary atheism. Yes, we struggle and we have anxieties and we doubt God. Here's Jesus saying to him, when you've turned back, it, it's okay to fail, he's saying. I, my love for you doesn't change. It's okay when it's difficult. When you've turned back, when you've realized God is still in charge, when you realize that I'm still here walking with you, strengthen your brothers. It doesn't say feel good about yourself. He says help others. And can I just say, as a family here today, we are meant to encourage and build each other up. We're meant to support each other, encourage each other, help each other through difficulties. We have to trust God when things go wrong, when things are not as we want them to be. And I wonder what Peter Cross argued to say, never, Lord, I'll go to prison for you, I'll die with you. I'm not going to finish my preach this morning. I'm going to stop in a minute. 
we, we have to learn to die to ourselves. I think true humility is where you don't think about yourself, but you think of others. You put the needs of others before yourself. That's humility. When you, you don't care what you are, but you care about helping others find Jesus. I think that is true humility. And it's so against our needs and our wants and how life is when you're at the workplace and your boss is being all right, so-and-so, is how difficult it is to, to follow. No, not me, Peter, I'm talking about this. We all go through difficult times. We go through difficult periods of our lives. We have to cope with illnesses and, and all the rest of it. But it's how you react is important. Do we put our trust in Jesus? Do we say, Lord, whatever, it's about you. And, and I love the songs we sang this morning and the scripture from, from John 6 about Jesus in the boat. Did you know the first time the disciples got in the boat, Jesus got in the boat with them and a storm blew up and they had to wake him up because they feared they were de dead. The next time Jesus asked them to get in the boat and he doesn't get in with them. If I was one of the disciples, I'd whoa, 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 hang on, we need you in this boat as well. I can't, we're not going to risk going out in a storm again. But Jesus didn't get in the boat with them the second time. He says, no, I want you, your faith to grow. I want you to trust me when things get difficult. I want you to realize I'm with you even if you can't see me. And in the end, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. We do this because it's about Jesus. We live our lives because it's about Jesus, not about ourselves and our, our needs and our wants and, and all the rest of it. It's helping others find Jesus. This is what life is about. So can I just encourage you this morning just to say, Lord, I put you first. I will put you first in every situation. I will trust you through the difficult days, the hard days, and I'll rejoice in the good days and, and keep that song 10,000 reasons on your, on your song list to remember when things are difficult. He's still with you. He's walking with you. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Okay? So, as a family, we want to encourage each other in our walk with God. We want to help each other grow in faith. We want to stand with you through difficult times. Because in weakness, we find God's strength. And Paul knew that. And he wasn't scared to admit. He says to the Galatians, hey, I know you'd, you'd even give me your eyes because of, of my weaknesses. So whether he was blind or half blind or, or struggling, we knew he had eye problems. Some people think it was malaria, epilepsy, convulsive attacks, chronic, op op whatever. 
He said, as you know, it's because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. You welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. So somebody with weakness, they treated so well. They honored that person. They didn't condemn them. And I want this to be a place where everybody feels accepted and not judged. And we all go through good days and bad days, our backgrounds uh, and all the rest of it. I want us to be a family of love where we support each other and help them through, just like the Galatians did. You didn't treat me with contempt or scorn, though my life isn't perfect with God and I make mistakes. Instead, you welcomed me. You said, come and be part of this family. As if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What a brilliant church that must have been. Except later on, he says, who's bewitched you, you fools? Let me just pray. 